This is a Triple M Footy podcast. With all the latest news and stories that matter right now in footy, it's Tom Brown's News. Good afternoon. A shock tribunal decision overnight. The key aspect of which is that Patrick Cripps is now free after being given two weeks by the MRO, then that two weeks being upheld by the tribunal, is now free to take on Melbourne this weekend. Patrick Cripps free to play. Now, in terms of the AFL's response this morning, they've acknowledged and accepted the decision of the appeals board, and they won't be going anywhere further in terms of the Supreme Court or any further uh, appeals mechanisms. What they've said they'll do, Andrew Dillon, is to say it's far early to say whether this will prompt any changes to the regulations and procedures, but they will not shy away the AFL from taking such action if it is needed. Andrew, so Andrew Dillon, I should say, saying the health and safety of our players is of paramount importance to the AFL and we will continue to evaluate and, where necessary, act to prioritise that objective in relation to the occurrence of concussion and other injuries in the playing of our game. So that's code for the fact that the AFL might go back and, for example, amend the rules. In terms of breaking down the decision last night, it's enormously complicated. The hearing was four and a half hours. But in essence, what happened was that the appeals tribunal or appeals panel found, in summary, um, essentially two things. Firstly, that there wasn't the bumping of an opponent. So the key word there being bumping because they were both players acting to contest the ball. Cripps was going for the ball and not acting, um, not bumping, according to the appeals board. And also they found that uh, the tribunal was unreasonable and did not comply with the uh, requirements for procedural fairness in giving insufficient direction to the jury in terms of um, helping to clarify some of the rules uh, and requirements around proving the fact that the bumping occurred. In fact, they said that the failure to accord procedural fairness amounted to an error of law, and the appeals board was unable to find the evidentiary basis of the tribunal's findings that the actions of Cripps were in the bumping of an opponent. So that's the uh, crux of the decision. It's very, very legal. In fact, so legal the AFL is going to have to go away now According to their statements, they actually go back and look at the decision and break it down and work out what they're going to do. A short time ago, I asked concussion campaigner Peter Jess what his reaction was to this shock decision. Well, my, my first thing is the most important part that's missing is the victim uh, statement to find out you know, the set of circumstances that um, Archie now finds himself. So we don't have a victim statement. What, what we have is all due care but no responsibility. Jess wasn't worried, it seems, when I spoke to him about the implications of this case from a future litigation perspective and whether it exposes the AFL to risk. I think it does because in terms of the voluntary assumption of risk, which really protects footy at the moment from a potential concussion case, it's up to the body, that is the AFL, to keep trying to improve rules to protect players. And I think this, in fact, sets the rules back. In my view, this is just a bad decision. It's not criti- critical of the appeals board. I just think from in legal cases from time to time, you get a bad decision. And I think this is one of them. I think the notion that it was um, not procedurally fair in terms of the directions to the panel at the tribunal is a bit of a hollow argument because it was open to Carlton at the time to argue their legal counsel earlier in the week that this wasn't bumping. And also, I think if you apply, it's a pretty narrow interpretation of the word bump. I mean, on one reading... If you just go to the dictionary, um, you know, bump can include all all sorts of things, including to collide with, which is clearly what happened in this circumstance. So it's an unusual decision. The AFL, in summary, has accepted it. 
The key is that Cripps will play this weekend, and I think the AFL will certainly review that interpretation and application of the rule at the end of the season. Bringing you the latest in footy news before you hear it anywhere else. This is Tom Brown's News. Just a coaching update. This is all dot joining, according to sources that you speak to. There's not a lot of leaks coming from either the North Melbourne or Giants coaching process. It's certainly the strong view of sources that I speak to is Clarkson, Alistair Clarkson will end up as soon as next week, by next Friday at North Melbourne. Uh, That remains to be seen, but that's certainly a consistent view that I'm getting is that North Melbourne are very much in the box seat to land Alistair Clarkson for a whole host of reasons. Um, And that the Giants are now looking closely, very closely, at Adam Uze, and I think we'll also sound out Ross Lyon at some point in their process as well. Although Ross has got strong links to Melbourne at the moment. I know he's got family in Melbourne. He's got kids at school in Melbourne. And I think there's a strong link to Melbourne for Ross. But uh, Uze, Giants, Clarkson North is the uh, jungle drums in terms of the sources that I speak to at the moment. This is Tom Brown's News, bringing you the latest in footy every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Here at first on Listener. Speaking of the coaching landscape, David Kosh, uh, I guess, through the cat amongst the pigeons earlier in the week, effectively putting all staff on notice at the Port Adelaide Football Club, quite clearly in a radio interview. He spoke to Seven News as part of his commitment to speaking to Seven News in Adelaide yesterday and had this to say regarding Ken Hinckley, in effect guaranteeing Hinckley for next season. We'll thoroughly assess our football program as a whole at season's end, but... As the club has maintained all year, Ken Hinckley is contracted and will be our coach in 2023. The Saturday Rub, Friday Huddle, Sunday Rub, Midweek Rub, Tom Brown's News and all the footy podcasts you need are in one place. Subscribe to Triple M Footy on the Listener app or wherever you get your podcasts. Andrew Dimitri, the former AFL boss, spoke on Sports Day last night. It was an interesting interview. I listened to the whole thing this morning. I've broken down a couple of key aspects. One aspect of which, of course, at the moment is the AFL is looking for a new CEO. Gil McLaughlin, I understand, will be in place as the CEO until the end of the year. I've reported on this podcast that Andrew Dillon, the general counsel and AFL footy boss, is now the clear favourite to take over from Gil, although the whole thing is not completely clear cut. There's not lots of there's not lots of leaks coming from the process. But Andrew raised a good point on the interview last night, saying that, uh, well, in terms of the key qualities of the job, he hasn't been contacted. I'm glad you asked me because the headhunter who's con- conducting this has asked this about everyone in the industry. He hasn't rung me. <laughs> right. I only did it for 11 and a half years. I would have thought I'd got a phone call. Um... Ring Vlad. Andrew Dimitri has a lot to offer in terms of, uh, I guess, knowing the qualities of the job. So a bit of a <laughs> message to the headhunter from Dimitri there. He also had some interesting comments to make in regards to the Tassie bid and doesn't see the club's decision and the commission decision this month as now or never in terms of a team for Tasmania. I don't buy this proposition that if it doesn't get up this time, it'll never get up. And it's dead and buried forever. I don't, that's just melodramatic. Dimitri adding that in his opinion, a 20th team, i.e. a team in Darwin, that might be, for example, done in conjunction with the Gold Coast Suns or something to that effect, might be the best ally in the future of a team in Tasmania. But I think Tasmania's best ally, when it's all said and done, if they want their own team, is to have a 20th team, to be honest. I yep. mean, and it might, might be 2030 when they both come in or 2029. And if you're going to have a 20th team, I would look no further than the NT. I think there's support up there. Football's got a good history there. 
Andrew Dimitri, a really interesting interview last night on Sports Day. Now, on Monday, the Commission will meet. They'll consider uh, the latest on the situation regarding Tasmania before it goes to the club presidents. The presidents still don't have a date for that vote. They don't have any information as yet. Gil McLaughlin's got a lot on his plate at the moment. If anyone can pull it off, Gil can. But he's still got the TV deal, and it's not looking necessarily like they'll get the money they wanted for that TV deal, at least externally, remains to be seen. He's got Tasmania. He's got the collective bargaining agreement with the teams. He's also got a potential concussion fund. And there's various other aspects they need to fund as well, like the uh, expensive AFLW rollout uh, later this year. There's all sorts of things going on in terms of Gil McLaughlin at the moment. And he's got a lot to do in the next three or four months. I know some clubs think it's becoming a bit of a logjam of issues. But uh, look, it's all on Gil. If anyone can pull it off, he can. Bringing you the latest in footy news before you hear it anywhere else. This is Tom Brown's News. Let's talk about some footy. Gold Coast and Geelong, the biggest team news probably was Dangerfield and Selwood back in for the Cats, who do have the luxury, given where they're placed first on the ladder, to manage three players this weekend. Some big team news at St Kilda ahead of tonight. Hannabury, that's Dan Hannabury, managed with that ankle issue. Zach Jones omitted. A must-win game for St Kilda against Brisbane. Friday night football tonight. It will be interesting to see. I think Hannabury would perhaps like to play on next year. I have a feeling uh, the Saints would probably want him to retire, given his injury profile, but that will play out over the next three or four weeks. In terms of some other big team news, Carlton, this is interesting. De Conning omitted Pitney back in the ruck for the Blues. Paddy Dow omitted as well. You'd think he'd definitely be trade discussion material at the end of the year. But that's interesting. A lot of discussion two weeks ago about playing those talls, including De Conning, Pitney, uh, Kurno and Mackay. And obviously Jack Silvani's role in all that. But De Conning, De Conning out of the side, Pitney back in this week. Interesting. For Sydney and Collingwood. Now this is huge. Sunday at the SCG, Collingwood could, in effect, if they can pull off, a, I guess, a bit of an upset, they're $3 in the uh, betting markets. If they can pull off an upset, would secure, in effect, you'd think now the double chance. They've won 11 games in a row. They come up against Sydney, who have had a much bigger winning margin of late. They've had a flu issue at the club during the week, but I'm told by the club this morning that the players that have had the flu, including Elliot, trained this morning. It's interesting that in an extended squad, Henry, Brown and Kelly are in Collingwood's extended squad, so they've got some options at the moment but I'm assured that the players with the flu are ready to go. So that's big news for Collingwood. Richmond, Dustin Martin not back in again this weekend. Damien Harbick flagging yesterday that Martin will not take part again this season unless they make finals. And Adelaide and North, this is a big one. Jason Horn francis North's number one selection omitted from the side. That's a game where he would have uh, played in front of some of his relatives in Adelaide. Um, you'd have to think that, again, he would be the subject of a lot of trade discussion at the end of the year and possibly a request to lead the Kangaroos. Having said all that, it might depend on uh, who's the coach. This is Tom Brown's News, bringing you the latest in footy every Monday, Thursday and Friday. Here at first on Listener. And just finally, the Collywobbles lasted 32 years. They ended famously in 1990. It was fitting yesterday that because of COVID, Collingwood's 30-year reunion wasn't 30 years on, it was 32 years on. So it was a privilege to be in the room with the likes of Dacos, Shaw, Matthews, Kelly, Monkhurst, Banks. That's just to name a few of them. It was great to be at that celebration for Collingwood yesterday. A lot of uh, footy fans like history. I showed some vision on the news last night of a different angle, which a lot of people, including some Collingwood historians I've spoken to, haven't seen before, of the 1990 Mallet. You can have a look at that on my Twitter, and I might play it with BT again post-game tonight. It's a new angle of the Malay, and it's, I think it's the first time, certainly that I've seen, and a number of people have seen, 
of Gavin Brown famously hitting Spawn, which led to Brown then being concussed himself and um, knocked out by Danaher. So uh, some historical footage that I sort of inadvertently um, found through our great library staff yesterday when I went back through the seven archives. So a lot of people will like to look at that online. Anyway, I digress. It's going to be a massive, massive weekend of football. I'll be at the game tonight, of course, up in Sydney on Sunday as well, watching the Magpies covering that game for Seven News. Thanks so much for joining the podcast this week. I'll be back on Monday, no doubt, with a huge news fallout from the weekend. Triple M rocks football. That was Tom Brown's news. Come back every Monday, Thursday and Friday for more and subscribe to Triple M Footy on Listener or wherever you listen to get all our podcasts throughout the season. For Ream Hot Water and McDonald's, Triple M rocks footy.